All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of Fields of Fortune, uh, weekly finance news. Once again, I'm your host, Christian Fields, uh, number one podcast out here, at least in my opinion. Uh, if you're looking for unbiased, unfiltered, and, and most of all, useful and, and educational information. Uh, so without further ado, man, if, if you are a regular listener, you know, we start off every episode with a market recap, right? This is going to be the information uh, from last week. That is November 13th through the 17th uh, of the overall market. So we just have an understanding of, of where we are. Right. And then we're also going to get into uh, the real estate market later. Right. Sort of a, a continuance from last week's episode. So if you didn't hear last week's episode, uh, maybe go take a, a listen to that and then come back to this one. It might it might make more sense. Uh, But without further ado, let's get into it. So the S&P 500 uh, was up 2.24% last week. Not too bad. Uh, The NASDAQ was also up 2.37%. Not too bad. (laughs) And as expected, with equities being up uh, so well, we saw the 10-year bond uh, going down uh, about 22 basis points. Now, if you've been tuned in, uh, you know that the bond market has been extremely volatile, right? We've had in uh, what's called an, an inverse uh, return in, in the bond market, where uh, shorter years, shorter yields, excuse me, are actually paying more than longer yields. But now you see your longer yields are going back down uh, to where, where they should be, right? And so we we see a, a balance coming back in. And you know, as I get more, I don't want to spoil everything, but as I get more into this episode, you're going to see how uh, things have made a pretty good turn, uh, you know, for the better in the last two weeks or so. But let's continue. So continuing with the S&P 500, uh, it actually went up 1.8% in one day last week. Now, that may not sound like a lot, but for the whole year, right, of 2023, uh, 2% was the all-year high uh, for one day, for one day in growth. So 1.8%, I mean, we almost beat that, right? Uh, uh, Some would say that that may be a signal of a bull market, right? Again, if you listen to last week's episode, you remember that uh, 4,900 was the bull market target for the S&P by the end of the year. Uh, Right now, we are approaching 4,600. Now, there is a a month and some change left, uh, and that's that's a lot to move. uh, But with this information you're about to see, you know, who knows? Uh, So last week, uh, the inflation report for October also was released. Um, Year over year, we are down to 3.2% in inflation from 3.7%. Absolutely wonderful. I mean, won't say it is perfect. Uh, The Fed that being the Federal Reserve's goal is 2% disinflation, right? Not deflation, but disinflation. There is a difference. And this is uh, to make sure that we are in a place of stability. Now, getting there has been fairly easy, right? I mean, let's see, last July 2022, we were, what, 9.1% in inflation, right? And now we're down to 3.2. So do the math. I mean, we're going down... Uh, maybe what half a percent every month. Pretty good, pretty steady, right? Uh, The Fed's been very hawkish on on interest rates. It's been helping, right? Uh, But the hard part is staying there, right? Staying there. Because, you know, for example, uh, gas prices also dropped 5% in October. Sounds great, right? To the naked eye. Uh, Alvary Rages increased 0.8% above inflation for the month of October. Again, sounds great, right? Uh, but what this means is that people have more money in their pocket. Now, if you're like me, you love more money <laughs> in your pocket. But unfortunately, uh, the government doesn't think the same way. Um, more money in our pockets means uh, more money to spend. Right. And you, of course, you have things like Black Friday and the holidays coming up this week. Uh, where people will be spending a lot. And, you know, 
too much spending is what led to our inflation in this in the first place, right? Along with uh, supply chain issues from COVID and things like that. But uh, generally speaking, in, in a uh, normal functioning economy, you could say higher spending leads to higher inflation. Um, and that's why interest rates have been rising because they're trying to, you know, make people pay more, make companies pay more so that everyone will spend less. And that seems to not be doing the job exactly. And I would say that is the main uh, thing to worry about as far as 2024. You know what What will happen, right? Because you have inflation coming down. Uh, the markets are doing well. The bond yields are going back to where, you know, their quote unquote normal should be. Uh, but there's still some some instability. You know, for example, uh, Moody's, right? The credit rating company uh, essentially gives uh, the U.S., as an entity and other companies, uh, a credit score, right? Like we all have a credit score. Uh, they basically lowered our country's credit score, right? And they're the second uh, company to do that, second credit rating company to do that this year, right? And this time, I believe it was in loom of the government shutdown last week. If you all didn't know, there was almost a government shutdown. Uh, and again, uh, you know, our lawmakers waited to the last minute uh, to make a decision. You know, no surprise there. But they, they lowered our credit rating, saying, well, the U.S. is not perfect in paying money back. Uh, we are about $33 trillion in debt, which is increasing every year uh, at a pretty alarming rate. Um, that, that That's amazing and not in a good way, right? I mean, for comparison, uh, debt, the $33 trillion in debt is 122% of GDP, meaning, well, we have 22% more debt than we do GDP. Um, maybe you're not an investments major like me. Maybe you don't work in the world of finance, but uh, you know your your debt to equity ratio should never be that high, <laughs> right? That's not what you want. It should never be anywhere over 100. Uh, so something like that would have to change. Um, but what would change it? Well, I believe there's going to have to there's going to have to be more responsibility on Fed Hill, right? When when it comes to, I'm sorry, Capitol Hill, when it comes to uh, making laws and, and, and decisions, right, for our country, maybe for the Federal Reserve too, there's going to have to be more accountability um, because choices like the government shutdown possibility, um, like the debt ceiling earlier this year that was almost reached, um, have caused, you know, these companies and not only companies, but people to lose trust in the government, right? We see that bond yields, uh, specifically treasuries were, were down this week, right? That's a, that's a U.S. investment, right? Uh, a way of in investing in our country through loaning out debt, right? So less people are loaning out debt to our country because, well, they don't trust it to be paid back <laughs> because these companies are lowering ratings. So um, interesting position we are in. Uh, but continuing with, with interest rates and prices, uh, Bank of America, one of the world's largest banks, uh, had a fund manager reserve survey. So so they took a survey of uh, a number of fund managers here in the U.S. Uh, I know they were all native to the U.S., but I'm not sure how many. Uh, but in that survey, 70%, 76%, excuse me, of fund managers said that rate hikes are over. So interest rate hikes, that is. Um, they're basically saying that, well, three quarters of us believe that interest rates will not increase in 2024. Now, personally, um, I agree with that because I don't see a need for interest rates 
to increase. I mean, incre increasing interest rates is almost like a a last minute resort, right? There's a reason they call it hawkish for, for the, the Fed, for the Federal Reserve, because uh, it's almost like a hawk on its prey, right? It's, it's very intense, urgent. Something has to happen now. Uh, we're past the sense of urgency because inflation has came down. It's came down to a manageable point, not the ideal point of 2%, but it is at a manageable point. And so I think uh, raising interest rates even more uh, might just be unnecessary. Uh, to continue with that, that same survey, 94% of the survey population said they do not see higher inflation in 2024. So again, uh, these are professionals, right? Uh, again, I, I am not, so I look up to their word, of course, take their word over mine. Um, but this information is, is honestly great, right? Because these are people who own, who own companies and they're going to be honest. Um, they have a legal right to be honest to their uh, their consumers, the, the population, the uh, of course, they're investors, right? So um, this is great information to hear. Um, I believe that in 2024, interest rates will not increase. Will they stay steady? Uh, hopefully not. Hopefully they will just continue to slowly decrease like they've been, right? Uh, pretty much every other month or whenever um, rate height meetings come into effect, right? Like they did last week. Uh, but interesting position we are in. Uh, man, man, c uh, continuing with that. There's been this looming uh, talk of recession again. Everyone's asking the question, well, where's the recession at? Because, you know, six months ago, maybe people thought it would be here already. Um, and it's still not. Now, I personally do not believe the recession um, will hit. There, there will be one and nor will it happen next year uh, because things are just changing for the better at such a fast pace, right? Faster than expected that it really wouldn't push our economy into one. Now, the debt is a big problem, um, but that I don't think that alone will push our com our country, excuse me, into a recession. Uh, but there has been some indicators that may speak otherwise. Uh, for example, uh, Jamie Dimon, CEO of JP Morgan and Chase. I spoke about him last week in, in the episode about um, him selling millions of dollars of shares. I mean, uh, it was nine figures and in, 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 in shares, right? He actually did a quick talk with Bloomberg uh, where he said that Mexico was the number one country in the world for manufacturing. Now, this is very interesting. Um, I do not uh, disagree with, with the statement, uh, but here's why it's something notable to say. We are in a place of decreasing and unstable GDP, right? Uh, for those who don't know, a recession is uh, two negative quarters of GDP. Now, gross domestic product is defined as the goods and services produced in a given country, right? On homeland, on American soil, right? That is your nominal GDP. Well, for him to say that another country has uh, the, the number one, you know, uh, ability to manufacture, well, companies are going to take heed to that. Right. Uh, whether it's your small startup company or your billion dollar company, um, they're going to they're going to listen to him because he's one of the greatest CEOs um, of our time. He actually started right around the time of the Great uh, Recession, not depression, <laughs> Great Recession of 08 and uh, carried, you know, his his company. I don't, I don't want to say single handedly, but he did a lot to um, essentially triple the assets of J.P. Morgan over his, I believe, 17 year tender tenure at this point, excuse me, uh, which is amazing. So he, he knows what he's talking about. Uh, but if we see a move to 
another country, whether it be Mexico or anything else, um, it's going to lower our GDP, right? Um, that might sound kind of extreme for people to just listen to one man, but for example, um, there was a strike with UAW uh, that just ended two weeks ago, and thousands of workers, you know, had a strike for weeks at a time, decided to not go into work uh, for, you know, terms of mediocre pay. They got what they wanted, right? But now these companies, I'm sure, are in the back room saying, okay, we had to shell out this money. How can we get it back? Right. And the easiest way to do that, you know, is, is not to just say, oh, we're going to increase revenue because it takes a lot more to do that um, when you can just cut costs. <laughs> right. And when companies have to cut costs, I mean, we've seen it time and time again, layoffs. Right. Uh, moving to a, a country or area that has, I don't know, cheaper taxes. Uh, cheaper land to buy, right? Maybe Mexico is that for manufacturing. Maybe buying a factory over there is 20% cheaper than staying here. And that's going to make up for the money that they lost uh, in, in that lawsuit against the workers. So going to be a very interesting time next year to see what happens. Um, I believe we are in a new age of innovation, right? For example, we had the uh, tech innovation wave of the late 90s, early 2000s with World Wide Web, right? We saw the tech bubble um, expand, expand, expand in the market and explode. Um, hopefully that doesn't happen, <laughs> you know, this time, but we are in a time of artificial intelligence. Um, AI is just an amazing tool. If you haven't looked into OpenAI, um, I urge you to just go online, play around with it. Um, it is the future, right? And so it will be interesting to see how that plays out uh, with manufacturing and also with, you know, our country's GDP and, and, and the ability to innovate um, so without further ado, we're going to leave that as the uh, market recap for the day. And we're going to get into uh, an investment that you need to know about right now in today's society. I mean, you need to know about it now. It's available to you right now. So we're going to talk about REITs, right? R-E-I-T, Real Estate Investment Trust. Now, what are REITs? A REIT is a company that owns or operates income generating uh, how should I say it? Real estate, right? <laughs> Pretty simple, right? Real estate investment trust, they own and operate real estate. Well, what they do, uh, what REITs do is they essentially buy, you know, lease, however it may be, uh, but they have a portfolio of real estate that's both um, public, it's communal real estate, it's residential real estate, it's uh, federal buildings, it's in any sort of land you know, infrastructure, right? They own and lease these out uh, to other companies, or maybe they just buy and sell. But anyway, uh, either way, excuse me, they generate income, right? And so you as an investor, um, you're actually able to buy a share of these companies, right? So a REIT may have, I don't know, $100, $200 million in, in a uh, real estate portfolio, right? And instead of you trying to go out and buy real estate in today's market, Again, last week's episode, spoke on real estate, listen to that. Um, instead of you trying to crack into our current real estate market, which is uh, pretty rough to get in right now, uh, you have the ability to go in the stock market, right? Simply open an app, um, look up a few REITs to buy, um, and you can invest. You can buy a share of it just like it's any other company. Now, for those who don't know about it, it may sound like something you know shaky or scandalous, uh, just for your information, uh, the total value of our REITs in the United States is about $3.5 trillion, right? Not billion, trillion. So very established market, uh, very reliable market too. Uh, the total performance of all REITs in the United States has actually outperformed the S&P 500 
for the last 20 years straight, right? So the better part of the 21st century, uh, REITs have been outperforming the market. Now, we also must mention that the market has had, uh, let's see, two crashes in the last 20 years. And of course, there's been uh, several other factors like COVID that, that play a role, right? And the market's ability to perform. Uh, but these REITs are actually traded on the market as well. So it's not like they're they're separate. Uh, you have the ability to buy them private, um, but that is a whole other topic to get into because you need a certain level of net worth to get into private investments. But that's why it's important for us to get educated on what we can get into, right? So we can build that wealth uh, for ourselves, for our families, you know, loved ones, whoever it may be. Uh, but continuing with REITs, here's why I believe REITs are important in today's market, right? That's why. I defined it for you, but now you need to know why they're relevant now. Well, historically speaking, uh, REITs tend to increase as uh, interest rates decrease, right? And so interest rates have been steadily decreasing this entire year. And as you just saw, or as you just heard, <laughs> rather, the Bank of America survey said that, well, 76% of fund managers, right, these big professionals think that interest rate hikes are done for 2024, right? So it means they're either staying the same or going down, right? And either way, REITs are a place you need to be because eventually they will go down, right? And that's another note I want to make. Uh, when you see stocks maybe, you know, going high or they're, they're already going up, you see a REIT going up, it may be too late for you to get on it, right? You can still buy it, but you may have missed that that real growth, right? So now's the time to get educated on things um, before they take off because REITs will have strong performance next year. Now, again, before you make any investments, please uh, seek a professional in this space. Um, I'm not a professional. Uh, please reach out to someone for professional tailored financial advice for you, right? Everyone cannot just invest in the same thing. Um, everyone has different income levels, everyone has different education levels, uh, please get educated and seek professional help before investing. Uh, but anywho, getting back into REITs, uh, the, some of the pros of these, right? I'll give you some pros and some cons. Uh, liquidity, right? If you are any investor, right? For, for, the, for the most part, any individual investor, uh, liquidity may be an, a necessary thing for you, uh, which means you have the ability to take out your money in a fairly quick span of time. For example, if you have a family and you have to take out, you know, some investments to buy a mortgage, well, you don't want to be invested in something where your money's tied up for three years, right? And you can't take out money for what you need. Uh, you need to take it out on the dime and real estate investment trusts allow you to do that. Uh, diversification. Diversification is extremely important. I've actually done some work uh, balancing portfolios and understanding uh, how to weight different investments and, and the, the value of having such a diverse pool of investments, right? You cannot put all your eggs in one basket, right? And, and one stock market, uh, you know, account, I should say, one investment account could be one basket if you're not properly diversified. But within this REIT, uh, you're already spread across various different industries. For example, uh, REIT can own real estate in the finance world and might own uh, some fintech data centers, but it also might own uh, some hospitals. So now you're in the uh, the hospitality and healthcare industry, right? Um, you have everything in one single share at that, right? You don't have to buy, uh, you know, a million shares to get into it. Um, there's virtually no entry cost, right? And of course, uh, the biggest pro 
it's the stable cash flows because real estate uh we all know when you lease something uh somebody's paying it right when you lease a home uh, if you rent you pay mortgage whatever it may be when you sign that contract they will get their money right and so this time instead of being the renter instead of being the leaser uh, in the real estate investment trust you are the owner you get the cash flows right that's very important to acknowledge uh, because a lot of people are afraid to invest due to the uh, the instability of it, right? Well, you're investing in a physical asset, right? A tangible asset, not just a share of a company um, that isn't always shaken by, you know, general market, you know, downturns or upturns for that, uh, which leads to some of my cons, uh, low growth. Low growth is a con for the real estate investment trust uh, because you're getting stable cash flows and well, you have to sacrifice growth for that, right? Um, this is an income generating investment. It is not meant for aggressive growth, right? It's not meant for, you know, to, to act like a, a Tesla stock or, or something of that nature or Nvidia stock. Um, it's something that's meant to generate uh, stable income over long periods of time. Let's see. Uh, dividends. You do receive dividends, which is how you get your income. Uh, but these are taxed, right? As ordinary income. So that means uh, whatever income class you are in uh, for your, you know, your regular day-to-day -day life, uh, however you, you know, you earn your money, uh, you will be taxed at that same rate for these dividends. So they are not tax-free um, like other dividends, right? And that's because they're more stable, essentially. And uh, it is a real estate company, so they're being taxed as well. Uh, but, you know, this is why seeking a professional is important because uh, you may or may not, you know, need or, or, or not need the, the taxes taken out. Right. Some people need to lower their tax liability. Um, some people just simply uh, have enough liquidity in their in their own life, enough cash to where maybe this isn't a good investment for them. I'm not sure. Uh, but seek professional help. And please remember that uh, with REITs, you are also subject to market risk. Um, now they are typically less uh, volatile than your average investment, right? Um, and fairly stable, as I mentioned earlier, uh, they've performed, outperformed, excuse me, the S&P 500 for the past 20 years, right? So it's reliable, uh, but you are subject to all market risk. Whatever the market goes through, uh, your investment can go through. So please, please, please uh, get educated before you make that investment. Uh, but just just look into it. I think it's going to be a, a great thing to hold in your portfolio at this point in time. Now, that's been a lot of information today. Uh, again, this is the weekly news from November 13th through the 17th. Um, thanks for tuning in. Please tune into last week's episode so you can understand more of this episode um, and why it's relevant. I will leave a Q&A section at the bottom of the podcast. If you have any further questions for me, I will be responding. Um, if you have any further topics you'd like to hear in future episodes, I will be responding. Um, thank you all for listening. Again, I'm your host. And have a great Thanksgiving. Uh, have a great Black Friday and holidays. And uh, tune in next week for more necessary, um, unbiased, and, and most of all, educational information.